Weight loss surgery is in your rearview mirror and you're moving forward. You've lost the weight you want to lose and now you want to stop the weight loss and stay where you are. How do you do this? How do you stop the drop? Stay right where you are. Gail, Isabel, and I have answers for you. Looking to change up your vitamin routine? ProCare has a new multivitamin soft chew that comes with three delicious fruit flavors. With flexible dosing, you can accommodate your whole family's vitamin needs, and it even includes iron. Paired with calcium chews and our new protein powder. Visit ProCareNow.com and use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 97. I'm here to help you cut through all that health hype, give you accurate science-based nutrition information worthy of the time and the efforts that you're putting in. Step-by-step strategies. I want them to change your life now so you feel well and every day you get out there, you do those things you want to do. This podcast is for you. I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad you're here. Did you know I send out a weekly newsletter with tips and recipes, new products and discounts, and of course the podcast? I like for you, my listeners and readers, to be the first to know about whatever is going on that week. So if you haven't subscribed, you can do so easily on my homepage, breakingdownnutrition.com. Joining me are your favorite bariatric dietitians, Isabel and Gail. Isabel Maples is a registered dietitian and bariatric coordinator with Fakir Health in Warrington, Virginia. Gail Smith is a bariatric dietitian at the Weight Loss and Bariatric Surgery Institute in Orlando, Florida. You can find both Isabel's and Gail's contact information in the show notes. Well, hey, ladies. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm great. We let the three of us get asked this question. And it's been asked to both of us several times as we were talking about it. Can I lose too much weight after surgery? Can you eat too few calories? Okay, true. You're probably thinking, really, what did she say? Can I lose too much weight after surgery? I haven't lost what I want to lose. Okay. So it's not as common maybe as slow weight loss or not as common as weight regain after surgery, but it happens. So how low is low when it comes to your weight and how do you stop the drop? So Isabel, is it the time for a visit back to your dietitian and What do you do? Find out what's bothering them, get a buy-in about what they want to work on. Where do you go? Well, definitely the time to see your dietitian. First, as my patient, you and I would talk about what's going on with your eating. Why? What's making it so hard for your body to regulate a healthy weight? I would start by looking at your eating, your food choices, your meal and snack pattern, um, what's your meal preparation obstacles. We talk about your physical reactions to eating. Uh, is it uncomfortable? What is going on with you psychologically and socially that also may impact your weight or your food choices? But I'm going to be looking at three or four big things. Are you skipping or delaying meals instead of regularly nourishing your body? And if so, why? Are you drinking so much fluid that you don't have room to eat? You may have to limit yourself to 64 ounces a day to eat more solids instead of going a gallon a day of water. Or is your weight low because you're dehydrated and you're not drinking enough? And here's a big one. How's your mental health? 
uncontrolled depression, anxiety, psychosis can all interfere with managing meals, as can eating disorders. Well, I can see totally why listening to what you're saying and as you're going through these questions that you would ask from both a nutrition and a mental health perspective, it's really clear to me that this is a time to get back with your RD. So Gail, are you concerned about carb intake? Is it often too low? And do you have an amount of carbs that you don't want someone to drop below each day? And then after you look at that, I want you to go to a second point is when you've talked about carbs, are you looking at a blockage or a malabsorption? Yes, Susan. A lot of our patients that are overweight have been on all kinds of diets, like the keto diet, which is very, very low carbohydrate. So sometimes they think after bariatric surgery, they need to continue with that. So we try to tell them in the pre-op stage that that's not the best diet for them. Healthy carbs, yes. Uh, sugary carbs, no. But definitely we try to get a healthy amount. And when they can try to aim it, again, depends on how far they are out from surgery. At first, they may only be able to get 20 carbs in. And that may seem like a lot at first and then 30. So it does depend on their height, weight, age. But generally, I usually say don't go too much below like 30, 20, and try to get up to about 60. And once they're further out from surgery, it may be all the way up to 100, 120. But concentrate on healthy carbs. Lack of carbohydrate causes lack of energy. And some of them even tell me that they have a little foggy brain because you need carbohydrates to really think. And I don't now, think most people are aware of that. You know, they are so, I'll call it carb phobic, if you will, that they think, you know, it's carbs are my problem. I should never have them. Therefore, I'm going to cup them super low. And then they feel like they're dragging Fanny down the road, you know, exactly. they're, they're, they're exhausted. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so I love yeah. that you're saying that, that foggy brain, it's real. <laughs> it, it is real. And they laugh at me because they're having it, you know, oh, okay, I'll eat a little bit of a healthy, you know, whole grains and cracker, or maybe even just whole, some fruits or some veggies, something. Yeah, it's real food, part. real food that real you love, food. you know, yes. real food that tastes good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Imagine. But the, <laughs> but the other thing too, that you asked me to touch on was maybe there may be uh, a blockage or something that's causing them to lose weight really quickly. They're throwing up all the time, things aren't passing through. So that's a red flag. And we try to tell them up front, if this, these things are happening, you need to get in and see us, call us, you know, right away, we'll make you a priority and we'll see you. And again, see your dietitian. She can review what you're eating, help you if you're having some constipation issues and things like that. Yeah. Great points. Great points. I'm thinking, Isabel, about GERD, so common in our society. Do you see that ever as a, a factor in too much weight loss? Oh, it definitely can be. You know, anytime eating is uncomfortable, when you've got a just digestive distress like diarrhea, nausea, acid reflux, you're going to hesitate to eat or maybe you're going to hesitate to eat enough at a meal. So whether you call it gastric reflux or GERD or heartburn, it can be confused with feelings of fullness. You may feel the reflux and think it's your body telling you you've eaten enough. 
So that's hard. But diet changes can can help with heartburn, like some simple ones like don't skip meals, eat about every four hours, avoid irritating foods like caffeinated beverages, spicy foods, alcohol, and foods that are hot or cold temperature-wise might interfere with that too. Don't lie down for about two hours after eating. And then look at your medications. Don't take stomach irritants like aspirin, Advil, Aleve, um, and maybe you're not taking an anti-reflux medication. Maybe you need to be. And if it's not working and you are taking one, then talk to your doctor about changing it. I agree. And, and what I love about this is even though bariatric nutrition is very specific for this particular surgery, but it's also very personalized, as you just indicated, by all the different questions and points you need to assess for each person based on their own status, mm-hmm. because no two people the same. And and it's not a pat answer of this is what you feel. This is the problem. It's not necessarily the case, as you were just saying. Definitely. So in our Science 101 today, let's get just a little bit deeper and talk about how you determine what a good weight is for someone after surgery. So Gail, in your clinic, talk about how you determine with a patient this goal for them. Well, I, I always ask them, what is their desired body weight? So we can get that out in front right away to see if it's way too low or, or maybe too not enough. But I usually tell them that I look at the, and I use the NIH BMI tables. BMI stands for Basic Metabolic Index, and the NIH stands for the National Institute of Health Tables. And the healthy weight that I use is at the 25th BMI, which is at the end of normal weight, beginning of overweight. And I explain to them that their typical weight loss is only going to be about 60 to 70% of their excessive body weight for the sleeves and the gastric bypasses, and a little bit more, 70 to 80, for the duodenal switch patients. Now, excessive body weight being calculated as taking their current weight today, minusing that weight for their height at that 25th BMI. So what I look at is like five foot four would be 145 at the 25th BMI. And, um, and then from that, you, you subtract that from their current weight, and that is their excessive body weight. And you take 60 to 70% of that weight, and that's what they can expect to lose. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it helps people to understand how does someone up, you know, come up with this number? It's not just pulled out of the air or if someone says, Oh, you're going to lose this much weight. Again, it is very personal as to how much weight you're going to lose. And I love the fact, and Isabel, I want to bring this back to you too, that Gail gets her patients involved. Where is it you want to be? What is your dream for this? And is it reality? What is your take on getting them involved with their own goal and success? And how do you go about it, especially if there's an eating disorder mentality in the play here? Yeah, good point. And definitely involving the patient is mandatory. It can help the patient, too, to understand which factors, which behaviors, which food patterns may contribute to that excess weight loss. I like to ask what your family and friends are saying um, because they may be really uncomfortable with how you're eating. 
um, potential solutions may be big impact changes that people could do to, to stop the drop, but but those changes might be hard to implement. Like I might say, oh, eat eat more often. And you might say, oh, no, it's so uncomfortable. Um, or eat more at one time. Oh, no, I can't do that. But small changes can also add up to big benefits. So sometimes those are easier points to tackle, some small changes that just nudge you towards the results you want instead of doing everything at one time with a big, big switch. I love that. All right. So as we start to wrap up, you know that every time I I like you to give a tip to our wonderful listeners that's just for them, a takeaway today that they can use to help them stop the drop, maintain, let's say they've reached where they want to be and that's where they want to stay. Each, I want to hear from each of you. What's the number one thing you'd say to to them today? Uh, Gail. Well, Susan, Isabel, I found I sound like a broken record. But... <laughs> oh, never. <laughs> <laughs> Weight maintenance, uh, especially as we age, just requires that increased physical activity, movement to help you improve your strength, your flexibility, your balance, and most importantly, the maintenance of your body mass. And if you can do that, you're going to be able to eat pretty much what you want in smaller portions, of course. And again, get your water in, stay off of all those other bad things, carbonated beverages, you know what I mean. But that's really the best advice is just really get out there and move. I love that. And it's for all of us because we're all aging. And if you like to eat and food is something you enjoy, which most everybody does, as you were just saying, which I love, you want to be able to eat real foods in smaller portions. And Exercise helps to keep that muscle mass, which is like the fire burning, you know, calorie machine. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. Gail, I mean, Isabel. Well, I like that too, Susan, because that's exactly what I was going to say that the maybe, maybe it's the number, (laughs) maybe you're worried about that number or you don't like the gaunt look you're getting because maybe you're not doing your strength training. You're not getting out there and moving enough. But One of the things that you might do to help your dietitian more accurately help you is to log your food and drink, log your weight, your, um, your symptoms that you're getting, you know, anything that's uncomfortable when you eat. And that may help the dietitian see the bigger picture when you go in to see that person. And do you have any other several different apps that are favorites of yours that you suggest people use that are pretty easy? Very tastic. That's a great I one. I think that's the number one pa- my patients use, unless they use my fitness pal, which they were using yeah. beforehand yeah. too. Okay. That's a good one. Very tastic and my fitness pal. You heard it here. And remember, if you're thinking, gosh, okay, I have reached that point. I've lost all I want to lose, but I'm still losing. Go back to your dietitian, make an appointment, start to, for a little while, track what you're eating with one of the apps. It's so important that you continue with your success, feel good about where you are, and stop the drop when you're ready because you're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, 
All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.